worship and we're going to praise the Lord our God and lift his name high in this place and uh, sing about his joy and, and we're going to celebrate today. You guys okay with that? Hallelujah. 
place, Father God. With every hand lifted in this place, we lift our voices, God. We praise you. We love you. We pray that you would give us, renew the joy in our hearts, God. Refresh every heart here, God. I pray that we would dance in your joy and know that your waters are pure and know that you are with us. You're working on our hearts at this very moment, God. We glorify you, Father. Let your river rushing over my soul. I'm free, I'm free. 
Why'd you make all that messy you? mess on me? We don't need to spit your We can't let Pastor Jeff see this. <laughs> it's all good. Good morning, everybody. I am so glad you are here. Welcome, welcome. <sighs> welcome. We are so excited. We are so glad you're here. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> Come on. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I have to tell you, I am, I am holding back tears. <laughs> Because Crawford is sitting in the back row. He's so good. So for those that maybe don't know or haven't been here to hear updates, three weeks ago, that man sitting right there in our church was put on a ventilator three weeks ago. And we prayed, of course, as a church. And he was taken off a ventilator five days later, right? Am I right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Seven, Seven days. days later. Okay. One week. One week, he was home, and now he's here, which is amazing, you guys. Come on. Come on. Come that on. That is God right there. That is the Come Lord. On. Well, for those of you that are watching online, welcome. We are Pastor Justin and Chelsea Kenton, and we're the lead pastors here. And um, I was looking at some of the people online. I was trying to see who would say hi to me. <laughs> Phil Norman says hi. Yay. Alex Bush says hi. Happy birthday, Alex Bush. Yes. Sam Huff says hi. Love you. Carolyn McKinney and Sonny Hassler. That's who I see online. Chelsea always has a better feed than me, but it's all good. I get to see those people. So, so um, Pastor Abel, which some uh -oh. of you know, uh -oh. um, he was at Rally today. And I then told him we wouldn't do this. Oh. But it's okay. You do whatever you, you told want. Him that. Chelsea I does tell whatever him that. she wants. So we maybe we promised him that we wouldn't all sing happy birthday together from here. So if you see him, you just make it really awkward and you sing happy birthday to him and like gaze into his eyes and like. Make it really awkward, okay? Bro, do you see this? All the women conspired to do this. And like, he, none of the husbands. All of us right. just 
We're like, honor the beard. Just leave that man alone. And I heard he really loves hugs. He really loves hugs, I heard too. So, yeah. Happy birthday. Well, we're glad. We're glad everybody's here today. Everybody that's joined us online. You can join us on our our, uh, livingstones.tv and the Church Center app. And uh, we want to just kind of continue our worship with tithes and offerings. Mm -hmm. And I was looking up the the very first tithe that was done in the Bible was done by Abram. And and here in... um, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priests of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then, everybody say then. Then. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he Mm. had recovered. Wow. Listen, a lot of you are in a battle right now. And a lot of you are going through a lot of stuff. I mean, it's amazing to see how full the church is getting again after people have gotten sick and doing their things. And I'm sure most of it's because Pastor Jeff is preaching today. Uh, but, uh, but I'm excited because, you know what, in the middle of your battles, if you remember God, if you put God first in the middle of everything that you do, come he on. blesses you beyond anything you yeah, can ask or on. think. So as we have our ushers come forward to receive today's offering, will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for your heart, for your people. God, we thank you that we can give because you've already won the battle for us. And so, Lord Jesus, as we come with all of the winnings, all of the the triumph, all of the good things that you do in and through our lives, God, we give back to you what is already yours. And so, Lord, as we give up an offering this morning, as we give of our tithes, Lord, we ask that you bless it, multiply it, let it touch the nations and touch people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So good. Okay, so if you do not have the Church Center app, you definitely want to download that because pretty much everything we're about to say is on there. That's so right. you can like follow along or be a know it all or whatever. Yep. Or works in the Bible app. Most of these announcements and those types of things are yes. in the Bible app too. So the Bible app, you version Bible app, where I think most of you um, probably read. Um, devotionals and things like that. So we are on there under events. So if you click on the more button, hit events, and you'll be able to like follow along and cheat and be able to That's see right. all of the announcements That's and notes right. and lyrics and all of that fun all stuff. All Pastor so Jeff's notes are in there already. All the I good know. stuff. Yeah. It's good. Don't, don't skip ahead. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're excited. This week we've got youth happening on Tuesday. Woo-hoo. Come on. Sisterhood Women's, is that happening this yeah, week Yeah, so we're having game night this week. Are you week. serious? Yes, at Sarah Twist's house. So if you need. And then the word men is in women's, so we can. But it's not, know. it's sisterhood. It's sister, I'm not a sister. Sorry. Doesn't work for me. Disqualified. Doesn't work for me. So if you are a sister, all you ladies, um, Sarah Twist is hosting game night at her house. You can go on the Church Center app. If you are not part of the group, ask to join the group, and all of the event um, address details and everything is in there as well. Come so on. it's going to be super fun. That's this Thursday. That's right. That's this Thursday. Where are my men at? There they are. There they are. Okay, all at once, I want you to go womp, womp. Go ahead, men. There's no men's breakfast this week. No men's breakfast this week. But we will do it again in two weeks, so be ready for that. It'll be awesome. Yes. Does anybody want to serve Mexico? Yeah, so Mexico, we partner with Tijuana Christian Mission in Tijuana and Rosarito, Mexico, which is an incredible organization. We're, like, down there every Um, month. Yeah, we go down every month to love on the kids. We've committed to the teenagers uh, to go every month and just love on them and um, just be a light in their life. And so if you are interested in going and serving and loving well, um, there is a meeting on what day? 
the 12th, September 12th. Sunday, September 12th. Um, that you can come and get information, get the application, be able to um, be put in the, the hat to be able to go. Come on. Yes. Come on. Who is ready to turn two? What? Some of you are like, what? Like, you've been reborn. It's going to happen. <laughs> no. Um, Living Stones is turning two this coming month. Oh, we're so excited. Living Stones turns two. And, and uh, we're going to have In-N-Out, the In-N-Out truck coming for that. So that's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Free to everyone. So invite your friends who don't like to eat. You know, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have a good time. We're turning to September 19th. Put that yes. in your calendars. Have a good time with that. And with that, we're going to be launching small groups again soon. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break for all small groups that are currently running. We're going to take a break for the month of September. And then in the month of October, we're going to launch them back up and we're going to do Rooted together. Yes. For those of you that know what Rooted is. But it's going to be awesome. It's amazing. Just you have to trust yes. us on It'll that. It'll be the time to get plugged okay, in. Okay, so one other thing that's not listed on here um, that I just want to mention is that there were a few leaders from this church that were invited to serve at a local outreach. Um, Next this weekend. W- yeah, this coming weekend. And so just be prayerful for the team that's going to serve. Be prayerful for the team that they are serving and um, it's going to be incredible. So if you think of us, um, and then also that just means that we will need probably a few extra hands next Sunday because a few of Put our Put your arms leaders. up like this. All right, now measure the person next to you. The strongest ones, we need you on next Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Repeat all right? after me. Send if me, you Lord. Flexed, you're, be, you're here. <laughs> That's okay? you. Yeah, come okay, on. Okay, we'll be here at 7. Yeah, we'll you be can, here at 7. My it. knee, in the name of Jesus, will be fully functional Amen. by that time. I'm walking yes. again, and Chelsea's like... Chill out. I made him put a brace on this morning so yeah, that he wouldn't did. go crazy. She did. I haven't had any me- pain medication in a couple days. I know, I'm, I'm grateful. Proud of you. Yeah, Good. it's healing in the name of okay, Jesus. Okay, can we talk about the most amazing thing ever right now? After one more thing. Okay. Yeah. It, every 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 pastor is like one one more thing, one more thing, one more minute. We're gonna land the plane, okay. right? Um, there is one person that I just found out about that is in the hospital. Wait, what? Um, yeah, I just found out about a little bit ago. Um, his name is Todd. Um, we don't know him very well, but he mm. came to VBS, and uh, and so we want to pray for him real yeah. quick before we invite up my very, very good friend. Um, so, Father God, we just lift up Todd and his family right now, and Lord, just like you did for that walking miracle sitting on the back mm. row, God, we ask that you do it again. Yes. Do it again for Todd. Lord, we just ask right now, Lord, that your healing touch come over Todd's body. Lord God, that his oxygen levels would rise in the name of Jesus and that those symptoms would subside in the name of Jesus. All things come under your name. And so, Lord, we speak your name over all of those things right now. Every symptom, every, everything that's been said about him in to him, God, we just speak your name and your healing touch over his body right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Yes, now we can talk about the most exciting okay. thing ever. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you guys, we are going to be so, so spoiled today. Some of you know the treat that we're about to. Yeah. Like, amazing. So, so, so good. Yeah. Okay, so Pastor Jeff, who's this guy right here, he's so cool. Come on. So he, one good looking he dude. won't say it, but he was our pastor for a season. Yes. And He might say it. Oh, well, he we'll might see. say it. You're allowed to say it. Yeah. But. He said he's going to try not to talk about that because he'll cry. And I said, go ahead and cry. They're used to me crying. We cry here. It's It's totally cool. Oh, my gosh. But he was our pastor for a season, and we have just stayed in touch. And we love and respect this man so much. That's right. And we just know that you guys are going to be in such good hands today. That's right. Did 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 we get some of your books? Did they come up? They're in the, in the back. back. I would show them off like Vanna White because I've been practicing <laughs> all week. But uh, we would love for you to go back and get some of that merch, get some of those books back there. There you go. There you go. Perfect. 
perfect Vanna. She's much better looking than me, so that's good. So, but yes, go back and check out those books. After he preaches, you're going to be like, dude, I want, I want that book. It's going to bless yes. your life. So it's going to yes, be such yes, a good yes. day. Are we ready? I think so. Are Ladies you guys ready? Are you guys ready? Oh, my gosh. Well, without further ado, we would like to welcome up Jeff T. Osborne. <laughs> What up, what up? God morning, God morning, everyone. Oh, all three of y'all, that's great. Let's try this again. God morning, God morning, everyone. All right, all right, all right. Look, I'm excited to be here. Listen, if you don't know, your boy's like this 24-7. This is not fake. I don't do this when I preach. My wife will tell you, everybody else who knows me will tell you all I know is one mode, that's me mode. And so it took me 20 years to learn to like myself. And so all I know how to be is myself. I can't be T.D. Jakes. I don't sweat that much. I can't be Joe Olstein. I ain't got that much teeth in my mouth. But I know how to be me. And I believe that when you are in your units, that God does something through you that will blow your mind. And so I'm not here because of PhDs and alphabets behind my name. I'm here simply because of God. 100% God. So what you guys see is exactly what you're going to get. And so I'm excited. As they mentioned, I wrote a book called Buy the Dang Coffee. And I'm terrible at this, and my team will tell you uh, I never promote myself. And so uh, it's very difficult to do this, but I'm going to do you a disservice if I don't tell you. This is my book called Buy the Dang Coffee. It's quick because it's an espresso shot. But the tagline is, is one sip is worth the risk. And what I've done in this book is I've taken all of the principles that I've learned from uh, me being suicidal in my thoughts to struggling in life to having dreams and visions, and I talk about the principles of what it means to break out of that. And so I will never speak about something or never write about something that I myself am not living proof of or I've not lived. And so they're back there, um, and, I, and uh, I think it's 15 bucks or $10, and then if you, I'm sorry, $15, and if you buy two, it's 10 bucks each, so you get two for 20 So um, do it, and then online, if you go to jefftosborne.com, I actually did a master class, so every chapter, you can go on there, and uh, I've gone through in depth every principle. I break it down. I spend time with you guys in there, so uh, y'all go ahead and do that. Now that that's done, we good, so bless somebody with that, Benito, um, but I'm honored to be here. When I say we are honored to be here, it's not just myself that I'm here with, but I, my lovely wife, and I don't know if they have a picture of my family up there or not. Um, but if you will see the picture come up, there they go. Uh, that's my family right there. That's my wife, Nadia, my son, Jaden, our daughter, Amaya. And uh, my wife and I have been married for 14 years now. 14 years. Come on, give it up. She's so blessed to have me. Um, my son, Jaden, now is 13. My daughter is 12. It's crazy because you guys met them when they were like kindergarten and first grade. I know it. It's crazy, but they're, they're on their own teenager, and they, they, they know their own thing. And so I'll give you my uh, kind of breakdown of my kids real quick, and then we'll dive into this word and do it. So I'll give you a little, little background. Um, we're driving in the car. My son Jaden is in the back seat with my daughter. And, and as we're driving, you know, we, we, good. we, got, we got air one on because I'm trying to be holy, holy. And uh, so as we're driving, all of a sudden I hear boom, and Jaden starts crying. <gasps> And I'm like, what is going on? And so I'm looking back, and Nadia's like, yo, keep your eyes on the road. I'm like, good idea, babe. And, and, and so she asked Amaya, like, well, what's going on? And, and Jaden goes, 
Mom, Dad, Amaya hit me in the head with a book. And so I'm just waiting for an answer, y'all. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what she's going to say. She goes, my, Nadia goes, Amaya, why did you hit your brother in the head with a book? And she goes, I can't, I can't make this up. She goes, Mom, I was trying to read his mind. So I can't, like, I can't make that up. And then our son, my wife is Mexican, so I'm trying to explain to my son how he's mixed. You're black and you're Mexican. And, and he, out of the blue, he goes, hey, don't call him that. I'm like, what's wrong with my man? I said, no, son, you're black and you're Mexican. Like, you got the best of both worlds. He's like, don't call me that. And I don't know whether I got to cast a demon out of him. I don't know why my man's is just, like, lit. And so I said, well, then what do you want me to call you? He goes, call me Tan. So I got a mind-reading daughter and a tan son. Y'all pray for your boy. But I'm excited to be here when I say not only me, but I also carry the mantle of my spiritual mother and father, Pastor Obed and Pastor Lisette Martinez. I am on the teaching team at Destiny Church, and, uh, and so it's such an honor. I tell everybody that I'm a spiritual son first, so I'm here because of spiritual sonship. And so uh, I'm excited. So with that being said, who ready to get in the word? Y'all ready to get in this word? So one of the things that I wanted to do is, is open up, and I'm just going to start off in Nehemiah chapter 1, and I'm going to start down in verse 4. I'm going to read these verses, and I'm going to break it down and let you know where we're coming from. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. Do we have the time clock? Because I want to honor you guys' this time. Okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, and it reads like this in the NIV. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandment, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers of your servant that I'm praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We, we've acted very wickedly towards you. We not obeyed your commands, your decrees and laws and that you gave to your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even your exiled people who are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name's sake. If I had to give a message title for this morning, the message would be entitled, We Build and Build It. Now, let me give you the background behind it because I don't know if it's just you, but it's something, it's funny because when people all add a double emphasis behind a word, it's like they're solidifying that word. Let me give you an example. I, so when you're talking to somebody like, yo, man, I ran into Steven at Starbucks. Oh, you ran into Steven? I don't know no Steven. Oh, come on, you Steven. No, I don't know Steven. Come on, Steven, the one who's always in your face when you talk. I said, oh, Steven, Steven. You double, or, or like, oh, man, oh, I'm, I'm, going on, I'm going on a trip. Oh, that's cool. Um, you going to L.A.? Are you, are you going down to San Diego? Oh, no, no, like I'm, I'm packing my bags. We're going to get on an airplane. Oh, you taking a trip trip. <laughs> right? Like, 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 or, or somebody's like, oh, my gosh, I want to eat. I, there's something that I want to eat. And so, I'm, I, I, you know, oh, well, look, we got, some, we got some snacks in the house. We got some things like that. Like, oh, no, 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 like I really want to eat. Oh, okay, like, like, are you hungry? He's like, no, no, like I haven't eaten since this morning. Oh, you hungry, hungry. And there's something about when you add this double emphasis that it solidifies what you said in the beginning. 
And oftentimes I believe that God begins to do things in our life where he adds a double emphasis to something so that we understand what he's talking about. Does that make sense? So this morning as I'm speaking to you, I want you to know something that it's okay to say amen. You can nod your head and say preach. Or you can do what I do in, 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 in my whole family and where I preach at, how I grew up. If it's really, really good, you can do the stank face and just be like, mm, 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 that's good. I'm going to take them all. All of them will go. But when you say amen or when you say yes or when you clap, it's just not to make me preach better, although it will. What you're doing is you're sending an outward notification to your spirit that the word he's speaking is for me, that the word he's speaking is for my family, that the word he's speaking is for my business, that the word he's speaking is for my life. That's why we say amen, because it means it is so. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all can go ahead and nod your head or give me that stank face. Have you ever been in a place at school where, where and y'all, y'all might know this, when, when, when it's time for, like, recess, and the teacher goes, all right, whoever can answer this question first, you get to go to recess first. And as a little kid, you were like, oh, shoot, I'm ready. So she asked the question, and you start raising your hand like, ooh, and you in the front row, ain't nobody else know the answer, and she's scanning her like, ah. And you like, oh, oh, choose me, pick me, pick me, ah. Ooh, ah, you falling out your chair. Okay, I guess I'll choose you. Oh, no, you right behind you. And you're like, wait, I had my hand up. Or, or you ever been at P.E. And, and you know it gets serious at P.E. When it's recess or P.E. time and basketball came around, your boy was ready. I'm talking about I had the headband on. I had the shorts right here. I had the chucks with the, with, with, with the socks. I was, I was official. And when it came to get picked, you knew that if they picked you first, you were good. But if you don't pick me first, we're going to have some problems. And so they start picking, oh, I'll take Brian. And you start saying, okay, Brian, I can see why you're a little bit taller than me. Okay, okay, I'm going to choose Sarah. Sarah, all right, she got a nice jump shot. She cool, she cool. And then you start stepping up forward so they can see you a little better, right? And as you stepping up there so they can see you, you start showing them your jump shot in the air. And, and they're looking like, ah, Jonathan, Jonathan, why you going to choose Jonathan? Like you start getting violent. And then you start pulling up stuff in their past, like Jonathan, like he gets F's in math. Like, why are you choosing Jonathan? It ain't got nothing to do with basketball. But you wanted to get picked so bad to do something. You wanted to get picked so bad to be in the game, and yet you feel overlooked. Have you ever been in a place where you're like, God, use me, only to feel like you've been We've been in a place in an era right now where it was the craziest of the years and and with these recall elections coming up and and people feeling this way and and feeling certain ways about it. And yet in the middle of it, it was so amazing because some of y'all are like everybody else who walked into 2020. Every pastor preached. What message? We coming into 2020 with, oh, (laughs) we coming into 2020 with 2020 vision. Everybody, yeah, like, right? And they're getting excited because we're coming in with 2020 vision. This is the year of clarity. This is the year that your vision is going to come to pass. This is the year that God's going to do something amazing for your family. And then all of a sudden, COVID gave you two black eyes. Now your vision's shot. You can't even see because you look like this. What happened to your vision? God, how are you going to choose me and call me to do something great? 
and yet life hit me in my eye, and I can't even see straight. Have ever have you ever been there before? And in this moment, there's nothing more frustrating than believing that you have a purpose and a calling from God only to find out that you feel stuck. I want to go up, but everything around me is pulling me backwards. I want to move, but I feel like my legs ain't underneath me when I take one step forward. It feels like I'm taking 15 steps back. God, but you put something in me. I'm trying to build. And as a church, we've been in this series Talking about building your vision and living out your vision and building the church, which is God's people. But I know it's easy to talk about what we want to build. We are never in a shortage of vision or dreams or desires. So I'm not even going to talk to you about that this morning. If I'm in a place where I'm trying to build something, I want to know how to activate it. I want to know how do I get the green light from God to move when I feel like my life has been taken out from underneath me. I want to know, God, how if I'm tithing and I'm worshiping and I'm here at Livingstone's Church and I'm doing the Hillsong Hop and I'm all excited... But nothing seems to be moving. God, what am I missing? You place these gifts in me. You place these dreams for this business and this ministry and my promotion for my job. But God, how come nothing's happening? How do I get activated? Everyone say activated. How do I get activated? That's what I want to know. Because the dream is never the problem. It's how do I activate it? And in my life, I've gone through so many different things and so many different ways of how to activate a dream and how to live a dream out. And so here's what I wanted to do this morning. I wanted to give you four steps, four, on how to activate a God dream in your life and be chosen to do the big things. Does that sound good? Can I do that for y'all? In this moment, as I'm looking at this text, the first thing that I've learned is I've been blessed to be able to have a coaching practice. And so I have a mental life coaching practice or transformational practice where I focus on the disease to please and I focus on what it means to live in your identity. So from professional athletes to CEO to to people to I've been blessed to be able to have my practice and as I do this there's a part of me that's the coach in me and so the coach in me uh, allows me to understand that the greatest thing that I can do for you is to pose things in questions because thinking leads to questions. Questions lead to answers, and answers lead to results. Thinking leads to questions. Questions lead to answers, and answers lead to a result or a desired outcome. And oftentimes we get angry at God because he's not moving. And God says, it's not that I'm not willing to move. It's just you're not asking the right question. Because I'm not thinking the right thoughts. And so I want to provoke some thoughts in you that will actually allow you to do it. So the first thing when you're looking to be chosen by God and you're looking to be used by God, the first thing that I want you to understand is that, number one, you have to first feel a burden. You have to first feel a burden. I love what Nehemiah 1.4 says. He says, when I heard 
these things. I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now I want to give you the backdrop of Nehemiah and where this whole story picks up. You see, the Israelites were under Babylonian captivity. And in this season, King Artaxerxes is the king of this time. And you have Nehemiah, who is an Israelite, and Artaxerxes, who's a pagan Babylonian god, or a pagan Babylonian king who is in this place. So you have a Jew serving a, 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 a pagan king. And in this moment, all of a sudden, Nehemiah's in the palace, but Nehemiah, you got to understand his role. See, Nehemiah was Jewish, but he grew up under Babylonian rule, so although he was a Jew, he was disconnected from his culture. And so his brothers come, and he sees them, and, and his job was a cupbearer. Now, some of y'all, you be like, oh, cool, that's a cupbearer. Wait, hold on, let me tell you what the job was. The job was a, of a cupbearer was to taste the food of the king to make sure that there was no poison attached to it. Which means you knew you were good at your job if you died. That's terrible. But yet it was the most trusted position because he was entrusted with the king's life. So Nehemiah is here and he's in the palace. He's living it up. His life is good. He, he, he's chilling. He ain't worried about nothing. He sees his brothers come where the wall of Jerusalem is. And he says, hey, brothers, what's going on? How y'all doing? It's all bad. What do you mean all bad? You guys just got taken out of slavery. You good. You guys are back in the promise. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Our walls have been destroyed. Now, the walls were the things that protected the, the, the Israelites. The, the wall of Jerusalem was something where their, their trades would come in and out. And it was the opportunity where they could protect their family. It was the opportunity for them to make income and be able to have a surplus. And yet their walls were torn down. Wait, God, how can you move them from slavery into a situation that looks like a catastrophe? Have you ever felt like God moved you from one season just to move you into another season that seemed worse than before? Like, God, oh, my God, we out of this thing. Thank God. Woo! And then all of a sudden, like, bam, you're like, oh, shoot. And in this moment, you're looking at Nehemiah, and as they come, he's wondering what's going on. And they say, everything's all bad. Nothing's going good. And they're like, yo, it's bad, bad. Like, And so they go, and as they leave, it says Nehemiah began to mourn. And he says he mourned for some days. And the thing about when you're doing something big for God, I said you first have to have a burden. I remember when I was in Bermuda and we lived there and for four years and I was training the president of Bermuda, the government officials on how to disengage active gang members. And when we were living there, I remember the first night that I got there, I saw all of them on the island of Bermuda and I saw the faces of the parents and I saw the faces of the young men and I felt this sadness. So I'm in the back seat and the driver driving and the pastor's in the front. Well, the driver's here, the pastor's in the front, it's on the other side. I said, man, I feel this sadness, and I don't know what this sadness is. And he goes, oh, Jeffrey, what you're feeling is called a burden. And you will never be able to change something until you first feel a burden for it. 
And too many times when it comes to us trying to build a future or build a a destiny or try to build something that you say you're building for God, it's amazing how more of us have a burden for ourselves than somebody else. (laughs) You know it's a God dream when the burden has nothing to do with you. You know it's a God dream when, when you're asking in your prayers, hey, God, I want, you to, um, I want you to be able to bless me so that I can be able to have money because I'm tired of struggling and a brother don't want to be broke no more. God, I'm tired of these people. I want you to give me better employees because if you can just give me better employees, then I'm going to have more peace. God, if you can just change my marriage, you know, I got a burden for my marriage to be changed because I'm tired of them getting on my nerves. And If that's you, just just look straight. Don't even look around. And it's amazing to me that we want God to bless us with something big and we slap his name on it, but the burden has nothing to do about other people or his name. It's got everything to do about us. And when I look at the life of Nehemiah, Nehemiah said he wept because he saw the state and the condition of his people. He was already in the palace. He was already living good. And so it would have been easy to be like, yo, man, oh, that sucks for you. Can I say that word? All right, cool. And yet there was something inside of him. It was a burden in a pool. If you look at anybody who's done anything great, let's just go secular. When they look and focus on the need and the burden of other people is when they got blessed. When Steve Jobs created the iPod, he was like, man, how do I get other people to be able to listen to all of their music without carrying that CD case? Come on, y'all know that that I was, you know what I'm saying, that big old one you got to bring around? How can I get everybody else to be able to just have it compact? He was thinking about other people. When you look at Bill Gates, regardless of what you feel in his stance, When my brother saw the computer, he says, how can I make a better computer system so that it can work a lot quicker and not be these giant things that everybody else had? And then he birthed Mac. And as a result of it, he got paid for it. When you look at, at, uh, uh, when you look at, uh, 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 oh my God, what's his name? My mind's going blank right now. Elon Musk. He was like, man, how can I create this thing to where they can have electric cars, not have to worry about gas, worry about the world, all of these different things. He's pushing the envelope because he has a burden, but his burden wasn't to get rich. His burden was for somebody else. Now watch this. I want you to catch this because I have to break this principle down before we really get into it. Whenever God is going to give you a God dream, it must be a dream that deals with the lives of other people and how you are going to impact other people. See, we live in this age where everybody tells you, do what you love. Do what you're passionate about. And that's how you're going to make your living. What? Watch this. I'll tell you why. Because I love skateboarding. I love to be able to surf. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know the first thing about starting a surf company or a skateboarding company. I love to eat. But don't put me in that kitchen because it ain't going to be good for you. See, and what happens when we just do the things that we love, when we hit a moment where we no longer love it, we change our commitment. And so what I would would submit to you this morning is rather than falling in love or finding something that you love or that you're passionate about, find a contribution that you want to give to others that you are addicted to.
When you are more addicted to the value and the contribution that you can bring to somebody else, it'll push you through the moments and the days where you don't want to do it. I wish to God I could tell you every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, I love my clients. There are some days I'm like, Holy Spirit, if you just fall on a brother. I got to preach, but I got my kids and I got my wife. And there are moments, even when we're coming up with messages and moments where our head is pulled, that you start thinking, man, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. But when I think about the lives that are going to be changed, when I think about the transformation that's going to happen, it will push me through whatever feeling I'm feeling. Does this make sense? So you have to feel a burden. And the other thing is most of us don't have a burden for the thing itself. We have a burden more for what that can give us. Some of us don't even have a burden to see see lives change when you preach. Some preachers and some people just want to be seen. Some of us love the outcome of what that thing can give us more than us doing the actual thing. So when we talk about finding a burden, a burden will change the way you walk. A burden will change the way you talk. A burden will change how you see things. It'll change who you spend time with. Why? Because the burden inside of me will leave me restless. You know it's a God vision when you're restless at night. When you're tossing and turning because you're trying to figure a way to get this dream out of my life. I've got a burden. A burden will have you reading things and researching things that you never would have done before. I remember in the beginning of our marriage, I know Nadia is so blessed to have me, but the first, she ain't here so I can say that. Now, she watched it online. It's for illustration purpose. The first five years was like World War III for us. We put on the paint. Your boy came in with a, with a bulletproof Teflon, like, ha, put my boots on, my camo on, because we were going to war. And in this moment, I was trying to learn how to be a father. I was trying to learn how to be married. I was trying to break barriers. I was trying to break molds. And I had no idea of how to do it. And finally, I got a burden in my spirit to become the best husband that I could become. And so it caused me to look at things on YouTube from these relationship people on how to be a better husband. And I began to research how to be a better father. And and I wouldn't allow myself to stay in the same place because I had a burden for my marriage to be changed. Are y'all with me on this one? And sometimes we'll never see our lives change and never see us step into something until we feel a burden. Do you have a burden? Because most of us just have good ideas, but we don't have a good enough burden. The second thing that Nehemiah begins to teach us as we read is not only do I have to feel a burden first, but number two, I have to flip a switch. I just flipped a switch. Click, click, right? He got into this place where he had to recognize something, and I want you to remember this because when you ask God to do something big and you ask God to bless you, the first thing he's going to give you is not provision. The first thing he's going to give you is a burden. The second thing that will happen is that you're going to have to flip your switch. What does that mean? Look at Nehemiah 1.5. He says, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He said, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, then I said, 
Then I said, then I said, Lord, the great and awesome God, the God who keeps his covenant. When you look at what he's saying, notice that Nehemiah, after he gets the burden, goes into a place of prayer. When you're asking God to build my vision that you place in my heart or begin to build other people, he'll give you a burden first, and that burden should be so heavy that it draws you to your knees in prayer. Because when you flip a switch, what you're doing, he says, God of heaven, he actually noticed where his power source was coming from. (laughs) When you are going to do a God thing in your life, when you're going to do something that you've never done in your family, when you're building a vision, when you're building other people, we have to get to a place that we recognize that the power is not within us, but the power to accomplish it comes from God. There's a flipping of a switch. I'm no electrician. But we had this double refrigerator that we had in our house, and I was so lit because I was like, man, I stacked that sucker to the brim with goodness. All the, all, well, I'm, <laughs> I just thought about this, but all of the stuff I stacked it with because I'm vegan is like vegetables and fruits. And y'all thinking like goodness, like steaks? No, that ain't happening for this boy. But we had all of the juices. I had my kombucha in there. Your boy had, I had all of that in there. And I was so lit. I had a couple of vegan ice cream desserts in there. And so I was so lit because we had another refrigerator that I could, able, I could be able to fill up because I'm in the overflow now. And then all of a sudden the next morning I wake up and I open the refrigerator expecting to see something great. Only to find out that my fruit withered. That my ice cream melted. That everything that I stocked it with had spoiled. I couldn't figure it out because I'd plug it in and I'd fill it back up. And then all of a sudden, the next day I'd come, it'd be withered. i plug it in, i fill it back up, and I'm like, yo, what is going on? I'm checking the warranty. And I'm trying to figure out what's happening because it's getting cold. And then it just shuts off. And I didn't realize this until after four times of restocking my refrigerator. That I finally called an electrician who was in our church to come check it out. He goes, Pastor Jeff. I said, yeah, he goes, this outlet doesn't generate enough power to run the refrigerator and show it short circuits and it shuts it off to protect it. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, this outlet doesn't have enough power to push this refrigerator. And so many times, When we're asking God to do something big in our life, we go to people who don't have the the power or the outlet to push the dream that God has placed inside of our life. And so you get filled up in your prayer time. You get filled up watching your motivational videos. You get filled up in your quiet time with God. You get filled up looking at your dream board. And then you go tell somebody your dream only for them to tell you, well, you know, You know, the way the economy is, I mean, there's just another shutdown looming right around the corner. And you know what? You should just, you know, just play it safe, tuck it away when the time comes. Or how about this? Well, you know, I know you want to have a healthy marriage, but, you know, most of the people in our family, a marriage just really doesn't last. So there's really no chance that you're going to stay happily married. You may be able to tolerate that person, but. 
well, I know you want to have kids, but let me show you what your body looks like. And let me show you the statistic of what they're saying. And I know that you're believing for your business, but look at the economy all around you. There's no way that anything big can happen. There's no way that anything can happen. So you have filled up your life with vision, with dream, with purpose. You've gone into your prayer time and got a yes and an amen from God. And then you plug your dream into a source that can't fund it. And then the next thing you know, you can't dream again. You can't believe again. You're mad at God. And so now you justify your behavior because you think God isn't giving you what you need. You compromise your integrity because you feel like God isn't even listening. I don't pray anymore. I don't go to church anymore. I'm not tithing anymore. I'm not reading the Bible anymore. Isn't it amazing how when the enemy attacks us, the first thing we do is separate from God? Am I the only one? And I'm a pastor. You get mad, what's the first thing you do? You stop reading your Bible. Because, God, if you really heard me, and God, if you were there for me, and God, if you gave me this vision, then I'd be living it. I'd be coming to pass. I'd be living excited. I'd be seeing my vision raised up. I'd be hashtagging blessed, hashtag winner, hashtag. And yet I keep posting like, yo, y'all pray for brother. All the while, God is saying you're just plugging your life the wrong outlet. Who's replaced your power source from God? Is it the stimulus? Has that been your God? Is it the payouts? Maybe it's your Democratic Party. Or, or maybe it's what everybody else is saying that has replaced any faith in God, and so I'm just going to rely on this, or I'm going to rely on that, and God becomes obsolete because everybody else has become your power source except the one who gave you the burden. When I'm looking to do something big for God, I've got to flip a switch. In other words, i got to say, God, this vision is so big that a brother can't do it on my own. God, I've lived in this for so long that I know if I don't have your touch, Holy Spirit, if I don't have your power, God, there's no way that this can happen. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have perished a long time ago. Do you have a dream that big? Because I'm telling you the rooms that I'm in. What I'm doing, where I'm at, based upon my past, there's no way that I should be here. Have you flipped your switch? Because you'll only get your power when you're in prayer. Oh, y'all didn't want to hear that, huh? Y'all thought if I did a little fancy Instagreasy post, that's Instagram for you young people. Maybe if I just posted this way, and maybe if I had this, and maybe if I did my website this way, and maybe I just got to try to push this harder. And I'm asking you, have you gone to God in prayer? Because God will do more in the hour that you spend in prayer or 30 minutes that you spend in prayer than any fancy post could ever do. Are you on your knees in prayer saying, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need you to guide me. Why? Because Nehemiah prayed for four months before he went to the king. 
you felt the burden, you flipped the switch. Some of you are just one light switch away from your dream being realized. I know I was frustrated with Nadia. I was like, God, I'm trying to do this, and God, I'm just trying to be a better husband, and I don't know how to do it, and I'm dropping the ball, and I'm just so angry right now. I feel like a terrible husband. Maybe I'm not good enough. Man, my kids are upset with me. Everybody mad at me. The dog mad at me. God, I can't do nothing right. And I'm talking to my cousin. He said something that was so, like, so amazing. He goes, hey, cuzzo. I said, what's up? He goes, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to come into your marriage and help you? I was like, hey, no, you get, huh? Like, you know what I'm saying? You start crying, you just stop. And I was like, you can do that? If any man lack any wisdom, let him ask, and I'll give freely without finding fault. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. He is your advocate. He will give you things that you didn't even know. So if you have a business and you're trying to grow your business, when was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit and invited him into your board meeting? Not just pray because it's the right religious thing to do, but because you need his wisdom, his counsel, and his guidance. When you're looking for a transition, when was the last time that you said, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the things that I can see and the things that I can't see as I'm looking at this transition? Holy Spirit, I'm looking at some times right now that seem pretty dark right now, but I know that if you walk in the room, solutions walk in the room. Because when you flip a switch... You invite God into your situation. I heard it said like this. Miles Monroe said this a long time ago before he passed. He said, prayer is not informing God of what's happening because he already knows what's happening. Prayer is inviting him into the situation he already knows is happening. See, when God says, let us give them dominion and let us place them over the earth, God will never send his spirit to come in and take over your situation because then he would go over his word that it says in Genesis. But when Jesus said to the disciples, how do we pray? And he says, you pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Up, oh, you flip the switch. You recognize what your power source was. Watch this. Your kingdom, your will be on as it is in that's an invitation. Are y'all, are y'all, oh, come on, please get this. This will be worth your gas money right here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is an invitation that says, God, you have more power and more ability and more provision than anything else. And God, if I invite you into this situation, I give you free reign to change things around. I give you free reign to touch the heart of that person. I give you free reign to touch the heart of those accounts. I give you free reign to come in. But you have to flip a switch. It's not your power and might that's going to accomplish the thing that God has for you. It's him. And that's a relief. I don't know about y'all, but I'm limited in a lot of things. I might be as swole as my man right here. But I know a God who's so big. It says he tells the ocean how far it can go. Wait. wait. (laughs) I know a God that's so big, every bird... 
on this planet wakes up from them sleeping, has no idea where they're going to get their food from, and yet they eat every single day. I know a God that weaves these colors and these flowers and the lilies of the field, and they don't even weave one stitch of clothing, and they wither and die. How much more will God not look to bless us? But the Bible says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, when you flip a switch, you're looking at the things of God. The third thing that's going to happen is that you have to be willing to check your baggage. A few weeks ago, my wife and I had the blessing of being with some great friends of ours and ministering at a conference in a church in Hawaii. I know, struggling for the Lord. My brother had to work on his tan. You know what I'm saying? You can't get. And in that moment, we showed up at the airport. And when you show up at the airport, the airport says, okay, you have any carry-on? Oh, yeah, I got this carry-on. Okay, that's small enough to go on the plane. And then he goes, well, what about these? Are you checking these ones? Oh, yeah, these ones, yeah, you got to check in. Because the weight and the size of it will not fit when you go through the door of the airplane. Whenever God is going to do something big and you're asking God to build your life, build your family, build your future, build your company, you have to learn how to check your baggage. I've watched more people get grounded at the airport of destiny because they refuse to check their baggage. You see, God, you don't know that this person did this and they said this to me over five years ago. And because they said this to me, I'm still holding on to what they said and I'm not going to let it go. Baggage. God, I know that you said this happened, but the last time I stepped out to start a company, the last time that I stepped out in faith, I got dropped and because of this person didn't do this. Baggage. Well, you know what? I know you said you're going to change, but you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And because you did it over and over and over again, I don't know if I can be able to trust you. I don't care how long you've been changing your life because you did this baggage. How about this? God, you want to choose me to do something great. But I was abused when I was younger people that I entrusted with who were supposed to be there for me hurt me. God, I was in a church before, and when I came to be in church before, and I had faith, and I had faith to believe, but people tore me down, and I can't dream again. God, I know you said that I could be something great in my school, or God, you know I could be something great in my business, and I could be something great in my life, but last year, this person did this, this person said that, and this person said they were a Christian, so I'm only here just because it's a religious duty that I have. Baggage. And you want to know the craziest thing about baggage? Is that the more you carry, the higher price you have to pay at the airport. I'm going to let that marinate for a second. The more you carry, the bigger price you have to pay. The more I hold on to it, the bigger price I have to pay. The more I choose not to let it go, the bigger price I have to pay for it. 
The longer I hold on to what happened in the past, the bigger price I have to pay. Well, Pastor Jeff, you don't know what they did to me. Pastor Jeff, you don't know how much that hurt me. And my question to you is, if they had to write you a check for what they did to you in your life, how much money would they have to pay you? 10000 15000 Okay, let's bump it up, 50000 Oh, no, 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 they hurt me worse. Okay, 150000 No, higher? Oh, half a million? No, a, a million dollars? No, $2 million, $50 million, $20 million. What would that price be? And to which you guys would reply, how much? Ah, oh, what'd you say, Pastor? You, you can't do it. Because there's not a dollar amount or an apology amount that would be able to go back and pay you for the pain you felt. So you're expecting somebody else and holding a grudge against somebody else for a debt they will never be able to pay you. And so what happens is, is you stay in your prison while they live their life. You stay in your prison while they forgot about you. They done moved on, started new companies, posting selfies over there at the river, on the, on the sea dudes, on the boats. They living on that pontoon. They in Cabo, like, hey, with tacos in their hands, orale pues, right? They just, and yet you're there still trying to be bitter, thinking that it's hurting them. And the amazing thing about it is they're still controlling you, even though they left your life a long time ago. You got to learn how to check your baggage. Your future is way too much to be holding on to the past. What are you pretending not to know? Well, God, I just don't know why I can't move forward. It's just like there's so much weight and so much burden in my life. And, God, I don't know why I can't go forward. And, God, I don't know why I can't run like I want to run, run. But, God, it's just so hard for me. But, God, you know, this person, and I just want to be free. God, I don't want to carry no baggage or no look. What are you pretending not to know? That if you would just check your baggage that God would take you to the place of your destiny. Now notice that they didn't say you wouldn't have any. It's just got to be carry-on size. Because God doesn't say he's going to remove us from all burden. It says that he'll never give us more than we can. And some of us are trying to take on God's size weight. And so we're paying the premium price for it because we refuse to check our baggage. It is the moment where you look at it, and I love it because, and the scripture reads this, and I'll be done. I can have somebody, can I have some keys up to make me sound really holy right now? I, I believe that the craziest thing that happens when we check our baggage is we realize that most of the stuff we had in there we didn't even need in the first place. Y'all ever been someplace before where you packed thinking that you needed all this stuff because you were just in case? You were just in case back packing only to find out you didn't need none of that stuff? 
how many of us do a just-in-case faith package? Just in case, God, you don't come through like last time, let me pack this. Just in case this person lets me down, let me pack this. God, just in case you don't do what you say you're going to do, let me go ahead and pack this. And before you know it, you're carrying all these unnecessary just-in-cases because your faith won't allow you to believe God at his face value. There's a moment in your life where you have to check your baggage. Everyone say, check your baggage. You have to be willing to check your bags. It is no longer good enough for us to stay at a place where our baggage no longer serves us. When you look at I love what Nehemiah says, he says, let, let, your, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, what I'm praying before you day and night. For your servants and your people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you, and we have not obeyed the commandments, decrees that you have gave your servant Moses. One of the biggest things that will stop you is living in complete disobedience. My Grammy taught me something that was so powerful. My Grammy taught me, she said, baby, if things aren't working right, go back to your last place of disobedience. Because God will not bless you beyond your last place of disobedience. What did God place in your heart when he, told it, when he told you to start that company? What did God place in your heart when he told you how to be a wife and how he told you how to be a husband and how he told you how to be a dad? What was the dream that he originally placed in your life? Because disobedience is also trying to please man. When God gives you a vision, when God gives you a dream, disobedience is doing it the way that they told you you should do it rather than what God told you to do it. Oh, y'all don't want to hear it. It got real quiet. Most of us, God will not bless an imitation vision that he gave you. He will not bless a, a counterfeit version of what he told you. He said, go back and do it, but God, nobody else is doing it. Go back and do it. But God, you don't understand the, 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 the situation where I'm at, my location. Go and do it. God, you don't understand my demographics. Go and do it. God, you don't understand what people are saying. Go and do it. Why? Because what God has for you is for you. Oh, wait. Somebody, somebody right now needs to take a deep breath on that statement right there. I want everybody on the count of three to take a deep breath. One, two, three, take a deep breath in and exhale. What God has for you is for you. Jealousy and envy happens when we believe that somebody else can have what we think is ours. But when you know nobody can take what God has for you, you can rest assured and celebrate people in their season because you know what's for you is for you. My only job is to stay obedient to what God has told me so that it's the vision that he's placed in my heart and not a distorted, manipulated vision that everybody else around me placed on my life. And that's why I coach people pleasing. Because when you carry a disease to please, you will never step into the vision and the calling that God has because he knows that somebody will be able to come in and to pervert it and to twist it and make it something different than what God wanted it to be. Now here's my last and final point and I'll be done. 
Number four, this is the biggest one. In order for God to bless you, you have to fully embrace your place. You have to fully embrace your place. Nehemiah was at this point where he had to believe God for something big. He had to believe God for something massive, and he was just a cupbearer. And yet he said, God, I've got a dream inside of me to do something big, and I just need some favor. I need your blessing. I need your hand on me. And God gave him favor with the king. And he says, listen, is there anything else you need? And isn't it amazing how when we're so used to being self-reliant, that question is the question we most want somebody to ask, but it's also the hardest question to answer. What do you need? What do you mean? What do you need? Wait, I'm not used to that question. What do you need? Well, I've been doing for so many other people. All I do is for other people. What do you mean, God? What do I need? You mean I matter? God, what do you mean? What do I need? All I know is how to serve. All I know is how to give day in and day out. And I've gotten so used to living my life on empty. What do you mean? What do I need? And in the place of you stepping into your vision, you have to be so secure that when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes to you and says, what do you need? That you can tell him, I need rest. I'm tired. I need vision because I've given it to everybody else. You know, most of us are depleted in pursuing our vision because we give the best of ourselves to the best of everybody else's dreams and visions. To where you got nothing left for you to dream on yours. Depleted. But what's crazy in this moment is that when Nehemiah was in this place, he not only got the provision he needed, with all the wood and all of the stuff he needed, he also said, hey, I need some protection. Because whenever I'm building something for other people, the enemy will try to come up against me and try to talk against me and try to break me and try to tell me all these lies. God, I just need protection. And the king says to you, it's done. What else do you need? And in this moment that Nehemiah is there, he said, God, I need laborers because I know you've given me the vision, but I need people to back me up in the middle of the vision. And so he says, I'll give you the right people around you. And as he got there to this place, people started talking. This man named Sanballat started talking because he was angry that somebody else wanted to build something because he believed it should have stayed in rubbles. I got to say this. I got to say this. When you start building your life and your vision, don't be surprised if people start talking. Don't be surprised if accusations start coming up against you. Don't be surprised if the ones that you thought were going to stick with you end up transitioning. Some of us need to get the gift of goodbye. Will you say, bye, Felicia. I don't need you in my life anymore. Why? Because you are no longer serving. Some people in your life are investments, and some people in your life are bills. Some people in your life are investments, and some people in your life are bills. Bills are transactional. If you do for me, then I'll do for you. But an investment will give you back more than what you put in. Oh, my God. 
When you get the right people in your life, God will give you investments where they're giving more to your dream and your vision than you put in. And notice that Nehemiah's fight was so powerful because his fight, although he was threatened with violence, wasn't to go to the battlefield and fight, if you read the text. The guy kept trying Sanballat, and, and his boy kept trying to get Nehemiah to come down into the valley. He tried to get him to come down into the valley. He tried to get them to come down into the valley. In other words, your biggest fight when you're building a vision for your life and your family is not to allow the people who are below you to pull you down and stop you from staying focused on your vision and your task at hand. I'm trying to let you know that in your life you're going to need a hammer and you're going to need a sword that's going to stop you from trying to occupy yourself with senseless chatter. That's the fight. Because he already knew he had the cosign from the king. Do you know you have the cosign for a king? Because my last point is, in order for you to do something great for God, you have to fully embrace your past. And I love the story because when Nehemiah started preaching, and you see the end of this text, I want you to see this. Can you guys pull up that last verse for me? In Nehemiah chapter 11, he says this, Lord, let your ears be attentive. Let your servant be to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now, the story goes on. And he's getting ready to go ask the king to do something. If you've never read the book of Nehemiah, what was supposed to be done in years took 52 days. Come on, Dakota, high five you, baby. I don't think you guys, that, that was a good place for you to get your praise on. That would, would normally take somebody years when you understand that I have a burden and you choose to flip your switch and you choose to pack your bags and you fully embrace your place, what would normally take somebody years, God will do in a matter of days. I don't know how long you've been praying. I don't know how long you've been fasting. I don't know how long you've been pushing. But when you turn to God, what takes years will be done in days. But then he ends the story right here. Here's the best thing about it. He ends this chapter. He says, give me success this day. By granting me favor in the presence of this man, referring to the king. And there's a period right there. So if I'm a movie guy, I would just imagine that the scene drops and he walks away. But then this period comes back and he says, oh, and I was a cupbearer to the king. Oh, I was just a cupbearer to the king. Oh, I'm in the king's palace, but I was just a cupbearer. God gave me a big vision and a big dream, but I was just a cupbearer. Oh, I was in the dark, and I was hidden from everybody else. I was, I was just a cupbearer. And, and, and I know I haven't started this business long, but I'm just a cupbearer. And I know God placed something big inside of my life, 
but I'm just a cupbearer. What does that mean? It means that when you can fully embrace your place, that God gets the glory for everything that's happening in your life. It doesn't matter how you started. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your family. When God says yes, it's all you need. Man, why is he so passionate about this? It's because that was me. I'm an ex-gang member, ex-felon, sentenced to 16 years of life in prison for six armed robberies and attempted murder. I was in Chino State Prison, locked down on a level four yard, incarcerated for 24 hours a day in solitary confinement. When, they would, when I would move to go to the infirmaries and, and, and do my checkups, I could see my family's house from the prison yard. I was just a cupbearer. When I didn't even have a platform or a stage to preach on, I would begin to prepare inside of my cell and get on my knees and envision the lives of people being changed and broken free, but I was just a cupbearer. Before I got to travel on an airplane and, and sit in these fancy hotels or, or to wear these jackets, I wore a jumpsuit. I was just a cupbearer. When I was homeless and there were six of us sleeping in a 1992 four-door Lexus, I was just a cupbearer. We were homeless for three years on government assistance and we didn't know how we were going to eat. I was just a cupbearer. But I believed that there was a God who was so big. That if I could just fully embrace my place and say, God, I don't have it all together. But if you could just look my way, I promise you I'll spend the rest of my life preaching to empower people. I'll spend the rest of my life letting people know that where you are isn't who you are because who you are is greater than where you are. I said, God, if I could just be an example, then use me. I just signed a deal this week with the NFL for 32 teams. I was just a cupbearer. I'm the co-founder of a tech company. I was just a cupbearer. I got kicked out of seminary, y'all. And I'm a pastor. Y'all know I was just a cupbearer. I was physically abused. I was sexually abused as a little boy. I was just a cupbearer. If you never hear anything else that I tell you, don't curse the ground that you stand on. You can't curse the ground that you're praying that God gives you a harvest from. So I said when we were struggling, God, I bless this, I bless this place. When I had food, even though it was one morsel of bread, I said, God, I bless this place. When my marriage wasn't the best, I called Nadia, Proverbs 31, and she spoke the king in me. Even when I was acting like a fool, she blessed this place. And I am a result and an outcome of a wife who chose to call out the king instead of calling out the fool. I'm an outcome of somebody believing in me and saying that God has a purpose. I'm an outcome like somebody like Pastor Justin and Pastor Chelsea that when everything went down the way it went down, he still would call me and say, hey, how you doing, champion? You didn't know what I needed in that moment because I felt like I was a failure. And now to sit here in your guys' dream and your vision and the word that was spoken to you seven years ago. Seven. Seven. God's perfect number of completion. You're sitting in that vision today. You were just cupbearers. 
where you started. I didn't come here to look good. I didn't come here to speak with fancy words. I embrace what Peter said or what Paul said. I didn't come here with fancy or persuasive words. All I've come is to preach Christ and him crucified. That's it. Stop trying to validate and give people the reason why you should have what God wants you to have. They've already made up their mind not to believe you anyway. Y'all know they're toxic. Stop going back to them. Get the gift of goodbye. You don't fit my vision of my life anymore. I don't care how long we've been around. You're not serving me in that capacity. Goodbye. And when you learn how to empower the vision, and like I empower you, then you can be in my life again. But until then, I'm going to feed you with a long spoon. But everybody stand to your feet right now. Pastor, is this all right? I believe there are very pivotal moments. And I, can I be completely transparent? I was driving up here this morning. I woke up, and this morning was shot for your boy. We got a Bernadoodle little puppy named Peach. And he was wilding this morning. I was trying to figure out my message and what I was going to preach. Man, I hope they like the message. And man, I hope that everything goes good because I'm feeling this way and God bless me and bless me when I preach and God bless me when I go and God bless me. And Holy Spirit shook something in me and said, son, it has nothing to do about you. How about you shift your prayer and say, God, I pray that you bless them. I pray that their hearts are so open to receive the word that they would get what they've been asking for that they didn't even know they needed. My prayer was that somebody would encourage you and give you a shot of going on and call you a champion like I needed somebody to call me a champion. I said, God, I don't care if they never ask me to come back and preach again. I got to share what's in my spirit. Because if one person gets this, it'll change your entire life. You want to be picked by God? Feel a burden. You want to be picked by God? Flip a switch and recognize where your power comes from. You want to be choosed by God? Check your baggage. It's not yours anymore. Number four, fully embrace your place. You're in the season where you are. You driving a bucket? Thank God you got a bucket to drive in. You ain't got the new G-Wagon, so what? You got a wagon, even if it's a station wagon. Hello. It's yours. You got gas in your car? Guess what? Praise God that you got gas in your car. You got a choice of different shirts? Then you're blessed because you can change your shirts. You got somebody next to you? Then praise God that you do. If you don't or it didn't work out, guess what? You're still alive, which means God can bring somebody in your life that's going to love you, that's going to cherish you, that's going to adore you, that's going to lift you up. It's not over. It's not done. As long as you're breathing and you have air in your lungs, God says, I'm not through with you. So here's what I want to do. I want everybody to lift your hands. Everybody, lift your hands. I don't, get, don't be trying to look cute. This is your moment. <laughs> you too, you. Lift your hands. Y'all be lifting your hands with all them other people. The same anointing that's on my life, that was on my life, that broke me from my 16-year to life prison sentence is the same anointing that's in this room. What happened? 11 and, month, 11 and a half months into my sentence, they said, Mr. Osborne, go back up to court. I said, why? And they said, because the judge wants to see you. I want you to put your hands up. 
And I said, okay, well, why am I going up to court? The race riots happened again. I got a razor blade on my, a cut on my neck where a gang member tried to cut my neck open. I remember closing my eyes and yelling out, Jesus. I hear a thud. Look to my right. He's laid out, but nobody's around. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. And I said to God, I said, God, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die. And the judge comes in, and when I see the judge coming in, he says, uh, Mr. Osborne, upon reviewing your letter, come on, keep your hands up. I got y'all. Upon reviewing your letter, you got a letter on your behalf from the assistant warden of Chino State Prison. What? I never saw the man, never met him, never shook his hand. He said, this is a good young man who hit a bump in the road. Let him go. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. That day, July 17, 2006, when I should have been in prison for 16 years of life, God set me free. Any of your arms burning right now? Whenever you refuse... Not to walk in your calling because you try to allow your past to disqualify you. You leave somebody else feeling just like this. They need your dream. They need your burden because it's going to set them free from the pain that they're feeling right now. Father, with every person in this room, I bless them. Lord, I pray that the same anointing that was on me would be on them. I pray, God, that in this moment, you would bless them like never before. That you would do something amazing in them that would allow them to build their vision, build their family, build their dream to live out everything. I thank you that you're putting the right people in their life. I thank you, God, that nothing is too hard for you in this place. So I bless them. I'm going to bless them, Father, as my rabbi taught me how to bless them and then I'm going to pray. Shema Israel, Adonai Elyonu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Chavod, Machuto Leolam Ayah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He is one in your vision. He is one in your dream. And he's one in your life. With everybody's hands down right now, if you're in this place, I don't want to assume that everybody knows God or you're walking for God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're like, yo, Pastor Jeff, I don't know this God that you're talking about. But if he can change your life and put you on a stage like that and he can change your life around, I need this Jesus in my life. If that's you in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to just lift your hand up real quick. Real quick, anybody in this place? Okay, great. We all say it. But maybe there's some of you in this place that may say, you know what, Pastor Jeff, my switch has flipped and I focus more on man than I have on God. And so right now I need to rededicate my life and refocus my life on the God who can do the impossible. I have to shift my satellite to get his signal. If that's you, you just need a, a reshifting. You need the faith again to believe. I just want you to lift your hands right now. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for being here. God, I got some big dreams. I need your help. Let me see those hands. God, I got big dreams for my family. I need your help. Put your hands down. Now, for everybody else who didn't raise your hand, I don't know what power and strength you're going to operate in your purpose or your calling. But even if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to tell you that God is going to touch you right now and strengthen you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for them. I thank you for their life, and we thank you for this moment. Now, as a family, I want you guys all to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross because of my sins. But I know that what you died for was to connect me to my heavenly father who is my power source. So Lord, change the way I speak, 
change the way I think, change the way I treat others, so I can see them how you see them. Change my life so I can see myself how you see me today. I release your power into every situation I face. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me white as snow. And thank you that I get to build today. In Jesus' name. And if y'all are ready to build, build, I need y'all to give God a shout of praise in this place one more time. Oh, come on. Give God a shout of praise like you know you're going to get your breakthrough. Give God a shout of praise like he's going to do something great for you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. It's so good. Man, thank you, Pastor Jeff. I remember those calls. I remember that season. Never forget. I love you and I honor you. You are a champion. Well, I believe that uh, we received a word today, didn't we? We received a word today and I believe when you receive something like that, there should be a response. And uh, we came ready to respond. Um, and uh, I hope you did too. Because if you received a word today, giving God the glory for what he's done. And I want to I take a special offering for, for Pastor Jeff and, and for his family. Uh, just to bless him for blessing us. Amen. So pray. And as, as we're sitting here right now, just ask God, what's that number? What should I do? How should I do it? If you, if you brought a checkbook and you want to make a check out, make it out to Jeff T. Osborne. Doesn't even need to go to the church. Just go straight to him. Um, but as that bucket goes by, if you got cash in your pocket and you're like, you know what, I want, I want a part of that blessing. I'm believing for a part of that blessing. And then you throw that in there, just watching God do amazing things. You might not have enough. You might only have enough for lunch today and thinking, man, I want to give, but all I have is my lunch money. Well, I can tell you a story later about what God did with somebody's lunch. But see what God can do through you. Amen. Amen. So as our ushers come up, I'm just going to pray for a moment. And Father God, we just thank you so much for Pastor Jeff and Nadia and the kids. And God, we just thank you for who they are. God, that they didn't back down when things got hard, when things didn't make sense, when the whole world crashed down around them. God, they stepped up and they stepped up in faith to see you move. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that that same anointing would flow over us today that we might be in some of the lowest points in our life today. But God, we are believing for a breakthrough. We're believing that you're gonna make a difference, that this is where things begin to shift. This is where things begin to change. We take our eyes off of our problems and we put them on our Savior. Lord Jesus, we thank you for blessing us today and touching us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. Go ahead and pass those. Gosh. If you weren't blessed today, if you, I know you're thinking of somebody that you wish was here with you today to hear that message. Amen. 
So what I want you to do is go and buy that book because that book will bless their life. Go buy that book and get it in their hands. I want this guy to be sold out of those books before they leave here today just to see God blessing so many people. The word can go farther when it's written on a page, amen? If we had to wait for somebody to rise up from the dead to preach the word of God, we'd have a problem, wouldn't we? But I tell you what, the word of God is right there and we get to take it out into the world, amen? Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. He'll be, he'll be back there and to talk with you and to, to love on you and, and just encourage him and t- tell him thank you because today was special. Today was a special day for our church. And I'm so excited to be blessed and, and to have, have today together. It's going to be amazing. We, we love you. If you want to stick around and help us tear this church down, get to build the church every single week, and I love being able to do that. And then come at 7 a.m. next week or any time between there and 10 and come help us out. We'd love for you to be a part and to build God's church together. We love you. Have an amazing week.